Hello, Emily. Greetings, Greg. We are sitting across the table from each other in lovely Bristol, Connecticut. It's the first time I've been here where it's not raining. Yeah, it's actually warm out, and it's kind of odd. I remember the first few times we came here after being hired here at the World Wide Leader in Sports that it was like snowy or rainy or precipitating. But here we are on a hot day in Connecticut. You can smell the weird white pizza cooking. I was hoping you weren't going to say I could smell you from across the table. Because <laughs> no, then you'd get a death glare the rest of this podcast. I did not say that at all. Um ESPN and Ice, of course, is this podcast, and we are here in these lovely studios. And uh, coming up on the show today, Ryan McDonough of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and of course, John Bouchergrass of ESPN, because why wouldn't we have John Bouchergrass on while we're here at ESPN doing the show together? It makes too much sense. All right, let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. Hey everybody, and welcome to ESPN on Ice, the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, a national NHL reporter. Ooh, and uh, we are here to discuss the beginning of the National Hockey League season. I don't want to say that there's been some offense... But this is what the weekend sounded like. In with a shot, he scores! Sharp angle shot, he scores! Brayden, he scores! And on and on and on and goal after goal after goal. And there's eight five games and Carolina scoring four goals in the third period and skating down the ice and jumping into the glass. There's been a lot of scoring in this league to begin the 2018-19 season. Any theories as to why that is, Emily? No, I think it's a continuation of what we've been seeing in the league. Um, At the player media tour this year, I asked every guy, is there anything the NHL should do to increase scoring? And I asked that same exact question last year, and I got all these different answers like, yeah, you know, keep slimming down the goalie equipment, you know, uh, Take the knobs off the goalie stick. Oh, that was a good one. Get rid of the knobs. Yeah. yeah. This year, it seemed like nobody had an answer. And everyone said, you know what? I think scoring is fine. I think it's trending in the right direction. And I just think we're seeing that manifest in these first uh, early days. Through 41 games in the uh, 2018-19 season, the uh, goals, the average goals uh, for team per team is uh, 3.21. 3.21. At the end of last season... It was two point nine seven. So pretty significant. We're we're ahead of ahead of the curve so far. Obviously, we're expecting things to, to level out. But again, part of the trend that we've seen in the last two years, we'll count this year as, as part of that trend, and and it's actually been uh, the last uh, go back to two thousand sixteen seventeen as well. A rise in power play efficiency hmm. and a drop in overall team save percentages. So goaltending is getting worse. Power play is getting better, scoring going up. And on the power play front, I remember doing a story last year about this and talking to some teams about, you know, the PK and the power play. Teams are getting really aggressive on the penalty kill. And in some ways getting aggressive because they believe there's an opportunity for them to get offense. So you have teams that are trying to create offense on the kill. Mm -hmm. And then there are also teams that are trying to create offense on the kill thereby giving the power play more opportunities to score because you're being overly aggressive. I, I, 
you know, the save percentage thing, we're, we talked to John Butchergrass later about this a little bit, um, might speak to maybe a downtick in the quality of overall goaltending in the league right now. There isn't, you know, a number of guys you can point at and say, oh, he's a Vezina guy. Um, but the, the trend is clear. I mean, you, you look back to 2015, 16, every year since then, we've seen a growth in goals per game. Uh, it was a giant exponential growth, uh, from 16, 17 to 17, 18. 2.77, and you wonder where we're going to end up this year. I mean, you know, again, early year, offense ahead of defense, but it's a lot of offense, man. A lot of offense so far. You know, I don't know if this is too scientific for you, but... Oh, because oh, I'm dumb. Yeah, this is like kind of a fancy stats uh, theory, but in the year where Austin Matthews poses for not one, but two fashion spreads... <laughs> And wears a baller red coat. He has scored in each of his games so far in outbursts of goals. Sidebar. Personality equals offensive explosion. Sidebar. He looked He looked ridiculous in the coat. You liked it. I liked it because it was a look and it was bold. And look, it's high fashion. Someone sent me the link to it. It was like $5,000. Right. Clearly, I have better taste than mm-hmm. you. Well, I mean, he looked like M. Bison from Street Fighter or a, an extra from Hamilton. One of the two. But it's not if it's a fashion look. It's not supposed to be accessible to the common civilians like us. Right. It's supposed to look like something you wear to the Met Ball, and that's not fashion that's accessible to civilians. But it's oh, funny because there's that. been so much discussion about him recently. Uh, the fashion spreads and also him doing the hand of the ear thing in the game against the Blackhawks, which was then mimicked by Patrick Kane. And it's the Austin Matthews is exhibiting so much personality. Type th- and I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like when when the baseline for your personality is basically a, a piece of toast that looks like Vince Vaughn, anything that you do that's better than that is going to be seen as, you know, you're now P.K. Subban, especially also when you have John Tavares in your team, who is the absence of personality. So I feel like Austin's getting a little bit more credit than he should as far as being personality boy right now. But I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see him putting himself out there in the fashion spread and looking a little ridiculous. And I'm happy to see him exhibiting enthusiasm on the ice, a fiery player, if you will, for the Leafs. I think it's just baby steps. And I, this is my last thing on Austin, but like everyone is blaming it on Lou Lamarillo, right? The spell of Lou Lamarillo <laughs> would not let him be himself, but part of it was calculated by his agency as well. Like, yes, they didn't want to irk the leaks least, but they were saying, let's let this kid get comfortable in the league in year one mm-hmm. and year two, we'll introduce him a little more. And once he's comfortable in year three, like go do your thing and you know, yeah. doing his thing. But let's not discount the fact that Lula Morello is not there anymore. I, I, as a devil's fan, you know, the devils were winning cups left and right. Granted, it wasn't the most exciting brand of hockey, but it's not like they didn't have players that you couldn't market. And you know, they'd go to Lula, Mr. Lamarillo, should we put Martin Brodeur or Scott Stevens on the billboard? Era a logo. That's all you need. Logo, jerseys, team, done. Phone number, tickets. <laughs> and then you were done. <laughs> you didn't have any personalities. And not even like a guy on a car dealership commercial. The, the the very minimum that you could expect from a hockey player. I have a couple of other theories about this offensive explosion at the beginning of the season. Um, besides the fact that obviously we were all wrong on Jonathan Taves and he's going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. Yeah. Yeah, the offensive explosion of Jonathan Taves. You, you're, you're, you know, Chicago centric. Do you think this is like defiant Taves, like just being like, I'm tired of everybody saying I'm done and old and broken down, and I'm going to score a bunch of goals this time? A little bit, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely think there's some motivation there. I also think that he was a bit broken down last year and probably was 
playing through some injuries uh, that did not uh, allow for him to produce. Right. So the Hawks missing the playoffs, you know, was beneficial because then it's like I have all this extra time to heal up exactly. and also didn't have to play the Olympics either. So it's mm. a brand new, fresh out of the box, Jonathan. Lucky Tapes. for him, he didn't get to represent his country. I'm That's sure not. he was so pleased about that. <laughs> How fortunate. Um, all right. So my couple of my theories. The stocking horse theory. The stocking horse theory is one that says um, you need teams that generate oodles of offense to inspire other teams to generate oodles of offense. Henceforth, hmm. if you have teams that score a lot of goals, like the Leafs, well, you must score a lot of goals to keep up with them. The Blackhawks the other night. There you go. Um, for, since 2007, okay, four of the top ten highest scoring teams in a single season were from last season. That's four of the top 10 teams in 2007 as far as goals per game, which tells you that you're dealing with a collection of teams that are really, really good offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when you have that, the, as they say, the rising tide, you know, rises all boats or I don't yeah. know. It's very nautical. It. I know we're, I know we're in somewhere. Connecticut and I should know these things. I just don't know boat. It. I don't know boat things. The other theory is obviously that they changed the goalie gear again. Mm-hmm. And we are starting to hear goalies complain about such things, such as Brian Elliott. Who recently said to the Courier Post, quote, I've already sent a couple of emails to NHL Vice President of Hockey Operations, Kay Whitmore. I'm getting bruised like crazy on my arms. I think the biggest, that's the biggest issue that they take away padding in the arms. It seems like every shot that you take that's not clean on your blocker or in your glove, it's leaving a mark. They have, uh, made the goalies left safe, which obviously means they're all afraid of the puck. They're jumping out of the way of shots. Goals are going in. That's a, a pet theory of mine. I like it. I think you should groom that pet. <laughs> in any in any event, do you believe this offensive explosion to be a temporary anomaly at the beginning of the season, or do you believe that we'll continue to see an upward trend in offense in the National Hockey League? I can't imagine we're going to finish the season where there's 3.2 goals per game. I do think we will see an uptick this season, and I think that we're going to hear a large descent of goalies start to get angry that we're telling them they're not good. Well, I think we're going to continue to see offense throughout the season. I do think it's going to be an upward trend, much like... The decline of fighting continues to be a trend mm-hmm. year to year. This will be a trend year to year. The offensive uptick. I think part of it is also systems the teams play. You know, there there are teams in this league right now that believe pushing the tempo, being aggressive offensively, is is the way that you have to play. We're in a, an offensive mode. We're not in a trap mode. We're in a, in a, in a part of of the NHL's evolution where Connor McDavid can skate up and down the ice uninhibited without guys water skiing behind him with hooks in his stomach. Uh, and that's great. And, and as long as we're there as a league, I think we're going to continue to see goals and, uh, until it inevitably the pendulum swings the other way and there's going to be some guy who, you know, is a disciple of Jacques Lemaire who just decides we're going to play the trap now and then, and then it'll get boring again and they'll have to make new rules to make it not boring. Mike Babcock. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, not now. I mean, right now he's, he's, he's putting the pedal down because he knows he has no defense. <laughs> so they yeah. got to score like 17 goals a game and they probably could with that lineup. They look good. You know what else looks good? Indochino. Ooh, do they? Oh boy, do they. Uh, Indochino, as you know, is the world's most exciting made to measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Guys love the wide selection of high quality fabrics and colors to choose from and the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, the lining of your jacket, the pockets, the buttons. And writing your own monogram. When I got my tux from Indochino for my wedding, uh, I put a special lining in the jacket. It was very uh, cool colored 
circles. Now, some people uh, say that it was too cool, and and that's why I kept my jacket closed, for hmm. I did not want to detract from my lovely bride with the amazing design inside my jacket. Did she feel overshadowed? No, because I kept the jacket closed, because okay. I'm a gentleman. Okay. I, I'm a gentleman, and I don't want to detract from her day. But I've seen pictures of your wedding. Your suit did look very good. Thank you. Here's how it works. You visit a stylist at their showroom and have them take measurements personally, or you measure at home yourself and shop at Indochino.com. You choose your fabric, you design customization, submit your measurements and your choices, and you relax, kick back while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. This week, ESPN on Ice listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just 359 buckaroos at Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. When entering the promo code ICE, it's I-C-E, at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. That's Indochino.com, promo code ICE, for any premium suit uh, for just 359 bucks. Plus, you know what else you get? Free shipping. So that's a big deal. Indochino.com. Get your suit. Look good. Feel good. Look good. Feel good, as Marky Mark used to say. <laughs> I just called him Marky Mark because I, I did a, I, I was on HQ Trivia the other day and they did a boy band. People still play that. You know, I've said this before and that's the exact reaction I've gotten from somebody. I just, yeah. I play it when they buzz my phone that it's sports or like a specialty one. I'm not playing like every night. Okay. Like I was when I, when I was, <laughs> shut up. But it came out, but like it was a boy band edition and, and they referenced Marky Mark and I, and they played a little bit of good vibrations and I was like, wow, it's amazing to think that this man used to be that. And now look at him. Running around from Transformers or doing whatever he does. Being in comedies with teddy bears. I don't know. Joining us uh, today uh, is Ryan McDonough, Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman. And here's our chat with a former New York Ranger captain. Joining us down the line, Ryan McDonough, defenseman, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, who have played, what, like one game so far, man? <laughs> what's what's going, on with, what's going on with your schedule so far this season? Uh, what, what, don't you want a little bit more frequency off the hop? We didn't uh, we didn't get enough out of training camp number one, so we started training camp number two after after our first game. It's been uh, been a little bit of a drag getting into the flow of the season, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll catch up soon enough here. Well, your one game was a two one shootout, so this game my question might be a little irrelevant to you, but around the league it feels like there's a bunch of goals going on. I'm just curious if you've watched any hockey. What do you think is going on? Why has there been an offensive surge? Uh, it kind of seems like over the last few seasons, it's always started out that way. I mean, no question. There's tons of uh, you know tons of talent in the league nowadays, and um, extreme skill on all the teams. And um, you know, I think in general, you know, coaches around the league will will want to play tighter defensively, and, and uh, through more reps and practice and more games, uh, the, the defensive structure will tighten up. But uh, no question, it's a sign of uh, the skill and, and uh, uh, speed of this game uh, on display early on. Well, this isn't relevant to you again because you've had two training camps, but as a defenseman, do you feel like it sometimes takes you a little longer than forwards to get your feet wet? I don't know. I mean, that's it, it's a tough question. I think everybody, you know, forwards, you know, plays happen quick for them, and, and defensively, you know, things happen quick for us, but... Uh, I think in general, it's just that getting that structure set, uh, more importantly, the team play and, and the, the play in your own zone, knowing where guys are supposed to be and if they're in the right spots coming out of your own zone. And, 
um, you know, just having a little bit more awareness uh, around the front of your net and, and uh, you know, making things happen quick there. So that, that stuff, it might take a little bit longer than, uh, you know, the offensive skills, which is, which is maybe why you're seeing a lot of goals. But uh, like I said, everything will work itself out. All right, you signed a big old fat contract extension with the Lightning. And, uh, you know, last time I saw you, I think, you know, it was after the trade deadline. Everything was kind of chaotic and stuff. What, uh, what sold you on Tampa? What made you want to remain there? Well, I think there's a lot of things, obviously. Um, but the people here, the people within the organization and the people in the, on the team now, my teammates, uh, I mean, the guys especially that are locked up for a long time, it's a great group of guys with, with uh, a lot of skill and a lot of potential to do some special things. But the people here really care and, and do whatever they can to help you play as, as well as you can uh, on the ice and, and uh, within the organization. Um, they, they do whatever you can or whatever they can to help your family be as settled as possible and, and make sure everything is smooth there. And, and uh, it's just a great city as far as uh, you know, hockey fans go. The, the arena is just electric and, and um, it's a fun place to play. And, and like I said, you've got a great combination of uh, a great place to raise a family and uh, you know, hopefully win a lot of hockey games here as well. I'm rolling my eyes asking this because I hate that this is a storyline, but it seems all anyone wants to talk about these days is Fortnite in the NHL. <laughs> so I want to know, are you aware of that storyline, A, and B, are the Lightning a Fortnite team? Do you think it's overblown? Do you care if kids play video games? Do you play video games? I I don't get to as much anymore. I have a little two-year-old daughter, but uh, I definitely did play play my fair share of games. Unfortunately, Fortnite wasn't out when I was back playing it a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> There is a, I know there is a group of maybe three, four, five guys here that, that played a little bit. Um, you know, I think they get their squad going every now and then or whatever it's called, but, um, it, uh, it isn't discussed a lot within our room, but, uh, I know there is guys playing it and it definitely is, uh, taking over the, the world by storm. So no milk, Michael Delzato bans on the game like they have in Vancouver in the uh, Tampa Bay. No, <laughs> No, there's no, there's no restrictions there for right now. <laughs> well, let me ask you about about your team, man. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a few people picking Tampa to win the East this year, and more than a few people thinking you guys are going to win the Cup this year. Uh, I, I don't know if you've played on a team before that this was uh, that was as heavily favored to do big things in the postseason as Tampa Bay. Is it something that you guys are aware of in the room? Is it something that gets bought up, uh, or is it something that you ignore? I mean, I think we, we've kind of addressed it a little bit early on in, in uh, training camp number one, um, but uh, we we uh, we've got a great group as far as you know, experienced guys and young guys, uh, you know, just kind of coming into their own. So I think it's you know important for us uh, veteran guys to to keep everybody on the right frame of mind, and, and uh, so far it's we've done a good job of that, and. and I mean, I think it's a good thing when, when people are uh, uh, outside the locker room are talking good things about your team. But uh, in the end, our group knows that, you know, whatever happens on the ice is, is really the, the main outcome and the main focus. So um, it's exciting. It's fun to be a part of. But uh, we know we're going to have to keep playing at a high level uh, every night. There's there's uh, there's no easy games anymore in this league, and our group's pretty well aware of that. So you've been in the league a long time, and you played the Lightning for a while. I'm curious, when you were traded there, and you first started practicing with this team and being around them every day, who impressed you the most? And you're like, wow, I had no idea this guy was that good, but he's really talented. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty well well known around the league how good Steven Stamkos is as far as his goal scoring, but I was just so impressed by his passing and his playmaking ability. I mean, uh, we've all seen him score, you know, how many goals he scored and highlight real goals, but, I mean, it was incredible to see his playmaking ability and, and uh, his ability to find guys open ice and find guys for easy tap-in goals and, um, you know, just getting to know him a little bit over the last uh, seven, eight months seems to have taken a lot more pride in, in being a complete player and not just known for a goal scorer. But um, and that's what you want from, from your captain of your team is, is somebody that wants to be effective in all areas. I, I was just uh, amazed on, you know, his poise with the puck, his ability to, to make tape-to-tape passes over guys' sticks, through guys, and, and uh, just create a lot more offense than just a shot alone. Yeah, for sure. Last one for me, uh, Ryan, and thanks for your time, man. Um, bit of a downer note. Uh, you played with Rick Nash a bunch with the New York Rangers. Nash uh, told The Athletic this week that he's waiting for his concussion symptoms to fade before he decides on what his NHL future might be. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, on Rick and what he's been through and, and, and what a story like this means to you as an NHL player when you hear about a player whose career might be have been uh, cut short by something like this. Well, I mean, it's it's the unfortunate part of our sport, right? Injuries and, and guys getting uh, injuries that affect them long term. And uh, you know, I know Rick is is. Uh, I mean, it kind of sounds cliche, but he's just such a hockey player and a hockey guy, and and just comes to the rink with the same routine every day, uh, just a professional all the way through, and and knows what he needs to do to be effective on the ice and get to the strengths of his game. So, I mean, to see him. You know, still having effects from concussion is, is really saddening to hear because he's one of the one of the greats all time for sure that I've played with. And, and uh, you ask anybody that's played with him, I'm sure they'd say the same thing. But uh, I think it just adds, you know, more importance to, you know, player safety and, and stuff that's going on around the league and guys, you know, guys respecting each other out there, making sure that there's no, uh, you know, dirty hits and, and legal hits happening in our game. And, and um you know, it's always an ongoing process with, with everything. But for him, you just hope that obviously his health gets back to where he feels normal and, and he can be the person that he wants to be. For sure. And last thing before we let you go, um, you know, another high-profile captain was traded recently, Max Pacioretty, to the Vegas Golden Knights. And the storyline the Golden Knights are saying is, look, now that he's not the captain anymore, the Montreal Canadiens and original six franchise, it's kind of a, a burden lifting off him and he can just focus on hockey. I'm just curious, when you went to the Tampa Bay, did you feel that way at all? I mean, it it, uh, it definitely just was more than just that. I think just the nature of where our team was going with, with everything surrounding the Rangers at the time. And I mean, uh, you're in the middle of the season and you're three points out of a playoff spot and you know, they send out uh, a letter saying that they're not really going to go for it anymore and, and uh, they're looking towards the future. It, it, those are hard things to be a part of as a player and, and even harder as a captain. So I think just the nature of what was going on around our team, um, you know, was w- really exciting to, to transform and, and switch to a team that was on the cusp of, you know, hopefully something special and, and going the complete opposite direction. And I think that was more important to me or – kind of overtook any kind of feelings of being captain and, and not uh, you know not getting the job done so to speak it was just great to be a part of a team that you know was on all cylinders trying to win games and, and doing whatever they could to, to get to the Stanley Cup and 
Um, so that's kind of where my thought process was is, you know, how fortunate I am to, you know, joining a team that's, that's going in one direction positively and leaving a team that's kind of uh, rebooting, so to speak. Right, exactly. All right, Ryan, listen. Emily and I both picked you guys to win the East, so win the East so we don't look stupid, all right? I'll do my best. I appreciate it, you guys. <laughs> best of luck this year. Thanks for your time. Thanks, bud. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Our thanks to Ryan McDonough of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you heard it here first, uh, folks. He vows to make Emily and I look good with our postseason picks. We both picked the Lightning. But you did not pick the Sharks in the West. You picked the Jets, right? I'm a big Jets bandwagon girl. All right. I picked the Sharks. I know you did. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I, I, I almost went Nashville. I think Peter. Did Peters go Nashville? Let me double check. Yeah, I think Nashville is a smart pick. And we'll talk a little bit about Nashville. You know what? Can we just take a second right now? Because I feel like I need to apologize to the couple oh. people who reached out on Twitter. Oh. We did not. Give Nashville their due justice in our season preview episode. Uh, Chris, Chris, and and Barry Melrose both pick uh, Nashville out of we the might West, not again, guys, and to win the cup. You, I, listen, I agree. We 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 kind of glossed over the Predators, and here's how I feel about the Predators. I feel like I don't trust their goaltender in the playoffs anymore. I feel like it's a two line team that whose second line didn't perform at all in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And thus became a one-line team. There's a lot to like. Their entire defense core is, for my money, better than San Jose's. Yes. Hence being the best in the league. But I still feel like they're, I still, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, I still feel like they haven't recovered from the loss of James Neal. I don't, I feel like there isn't, and, and all due respect, respect to Kyle Turris, like, I, I just feel like there isn't anything on that team beyond the Arvidsson, Forsberg, Johansson line that makes me like, oh God, you look at Winnipeg. I mean, Shifley Wheeler and then Ehlers line A in theory, like that's two, that's two top lines. Maybe I have, don't think that Nashville has two top lines. So all due respect to Kyle Turris. I think I have a little more faith in Kyle Turris than you do. Um, I like that second line. I think my bigger concern with them, I, I think they're seasoned and I think they're going to do fine in the regular season. I'm just curious of what they're doing with Eli Tolvin in. That, that just kind of confuses me. It was me. a very confusing move, but yeah. I, I guess they just don't feel like he's ready yet. But again, I, Pekka Rene, great. I just feel like at some point the torch will be passed and maybe they're better for it in the playoffs. See, I don't think so. I think he re-signs in Nashville. Okay. I definitely do. And I also just want to give him credit because I thought he handled that playoff meltdown with sure. such grace. He was great. You know what? Ask Tampa Bay about moving Ben Bishop and letting Vasilevsky take over. And even still, if it's game seven of a Stanley Cup final and I could pick one goalie behind me. Like in the league? In the league. I'm not saying I'm picking Pekka but I really think that he would be my top five. You know what's going to piss people off is when I say that the goalie that I pick in that situation is Jonathan Quick. Well, I asked this to a bunch of players at the uh, player media tour. Carey Price was the most popular answer, but yeah. number two is Jonathan Quick. And I did find it interesting that it definitely was a Canada-USA allegiance yeah. where most of the Canadian guys pick Carey Price yeah. and the Americans are like, Quickie! Because all the Americans remember him playing in Sochi in the Olympics, and be- of course. beating Russia. Yeah, Austin Matthews <laughs> was like four at the time watching at home in Arizona. Ooh, I want to play hockey. We had an ESPN on a, a nice poll uh, for everybody to check out before the podcast. And in that poll, we asked you, which team has you most super excited at the start of the 2018-19 season? The overwhelming choice was the Toronto Maple Leafs at 47%. The Blackhawks were fourth with 9%. The San Jose Sharks were third with 18%. 26% of people, though, said the Carolina Hurricanes. And for one reason. 
The goal celebration. The goal celebration. The slow clap. As all the, fast. all the players line up on the line, and then uh, they race down the ice and jump into the boards in the glass at the end boards. Uh, I, I talked to Justin Williams about it this week for a story on ESPN.com awesome. to get the uh, inside scoop on, on where this thing came from. He said he talked to management about it. They wanted to do something different. Justin Williams, not a fan of the stick salute, kind of believes that it's perfunctory and mechanical at this point in the NHL. Wanted to do something that honored the fans, but also added a little bit of excitement. And also kind of indicated to the rest of the National Hockey League that the Carolina Hurricanes have been, in his words, rebranded. That they are no longer the moribund team that is going to finish out of the money of the playoffs. The Bill Peters teams that could never seem to uh, you know, match the preseason hype or, or get over the hill to get into the playoffs. This is a new and exciting group with young players and a new coach. You may not know what he's doing, but he's doing a good job. A new owner who may not know what he's doing, but he's doing a good job. Do you believe in the Carolina Hurricanes? Have the, has, has the early season excitement made you believe that they're going to be a playoff team? I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're trending in the right direction and can be good for a very long time. And when you said Rod Brendamore, you don't know what he's doing. You guys all heard him on the podcast last week. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. When he talked, he sounded like a guy I would want to suit up for. Like, I think guys are buying into him, and that's half as important. And then, look, they didn't spend a ton of money, but I think they're spending money on the right things. You've heard of Tom Dundon, you know, being the Mark Cuban of owners. But he's done things like upgrade the locker room, which apparently was in total, you know, not up to par with the rest of the league. And, and guys are just having fun there. So I'm all in on them as my trendy sleeper team for the next four years again. And again, like, <laughs> I think the bigger story here is that it is the embrace of fun so far. Yes. In the NHL, we mentioned off the top of the show the Austin Matthews uh, glove to the ear moment against the Blackhawks and Patrick Kane answering it. There's been a lot of sort of like goofy fun so far. I mean, maybe it's gritty influenced. I don't know. That might have been the start of goofy fun. Are you giving gritty influ- <laughs> like credit for this too? I, Hasn't well, this guy I, had enough credit? I, I, there's a very good chance that gritty could be on somebody's presidential ticket in 2020 at this point. That's I think how he's hosting gritty. SNL next week. Um. I don't know what it is, but like there certainly is sort of the freewheeling fun. Maybe it's the offensive explosion. Maybe it's just like the younger players are starting to feel a bit more comfortable in their own skin and, uh, and are, and are being a bit more enthusiastic on the ice. Maybe it's just, here's another theory. I'll put it out there. Pre gritty. Maybe the Washington Capitals are the reason. Maybe yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights are the reason. Maybe those two those teams points. being able to be themselves. The Capitals certainly were themselves after winning the Cup, but the Golden Knights were also a team that really kind of, you know, gave a shot of adrenaline to the heart of this league last season. I don't know what it is, but it does seem like everybody's loosened their tie a little bit, which you could only usually say about Brian Burke, but now you can say about the rest of the (laughs) NHL, apparently. No, I think you have a great point about the seeds being planted last year. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I tend to believe that the offense in the NHL is something to write home about, Emily. And you know what you you should use if you're going to write home? Well, what is that? Stamps.com. Oh, shoot. That's right. With Stamps.com, That's good. you can access all of the services of the post office right from your desk. You can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package. All available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You just click, print, mail, and you're done. And Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage each time. This comes very valuable when it's around the holiday season, Emily. And the, and the last thing that you want to do is miss the chance to send your loved one 
a big old packer packageroo. So you use the scale, and you slap the postage on it, and then you're done. And you can send toys to to little ones. Maybe you send something to your mom. You send an invoice to your dad for the beer you've bought him over the years, like I do. You can use ICE for this special offer. It's a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else and click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in ICE for ESPN and ICE. That's Stamps.com and enter the word ICE. Joining us now is John Bucciagras. You know him for many, many things, but you know him most as being <laughs> the vanguard of college hockey on ESPN. And I see that you've put in your 2019 Frozen Four picks, courtesy of, of Chris Peters' uh, great college hockey preview. The listeners will now know that you have selected Ohio State, Providence, Michigan, and Cornell with Ohio State as your national champion. Defend the pick, sir. Yeah, well, the Buckeyes are returning a lot of players from last year's uh, Frozen Four team. Uh, experience, pretty good goaltending last year. We'll see if that takes another step forward. And if you look at the trend, the last three national champions had lost in the Frozen Four, came back the next year, weren't decimated uh, by roster rot, and were able to get back, use that experience and everything, and they returned and won the national championship. It's happened the last three years. So, Frozen Four team. I think Notre Dame uh, did kind of lose a little bit too much in terms of experience, although they'll still be good. Uh, but, you know, certainly you think about Michigan and Quinn Hughes returning other first-round picks on that roster. Goaltending's always been a question at Michigan. Um, so I have them back there. And I just think maybe Ohio State, because of the goaltender, um, that perhaps that'll be the edge to be one of those uh, Frozen Four teams of last year. To, uh, to come back. And certainly Minnesota Duluth is a team that certainly could go back and win it again. They didn't lose a lot. There was a lot of freshmen last year. Lost some pretty good leadership up front, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went back. But I'm going Buckeyes for their first ever uh, college hockey national championship. Let me ask you about Ohio State. Because, I mean, like, as a, as a casual college hockey observer, uh, this is a school that I never found to be synonymous with, with, with hockey. And I look back yeah. at their history. They made the first round of the NCAAs a few times, frozen four in 98, uh, then a pretty big drought. Was it, was it the move to the Big Ten that kind of juiced the program? Where, where the hell did Ohio State hockey come from? Yeah, it's a great point. They've always had plenty of money there. Obviously, you need commitment from, um, you know, from the athletic department in terms of, uh, perhaps identifying a coach is the first thing, spending the resources. Um, and obviously, as, the arms race began with college hockey in terms of the, the rinks and the beautiful rinks and training centers that so many have. Um, that was part of it. Certainly Ohio State plays in a big arena. It's too big right now for them. But it, I just don't think it was really a focus. You know, perhaps the Blue Jackets coming into town. Oh, yeah, that's good. And, you know, that, that certainly gave hockey a big jump start in the area. And like, like any NHL team, when they go into a city, the youth hockey, the adult hockey explodes. And so I think there's probably a little bit of ripple effect from there. And uh, and now I just think now it's a matter of getting that rink, either building a new rink um, or I've heard that St. John Arena is still a chance they can refurbish that and make it an awesome, modern, old-style-looking rink. You know, a little smaller, intimate setting where there's an environment and, and, uh, and an atmosphere, which they lack now in their gigantic cavernous rink. Good word, cavernous. 
I'm jealous. <laughs> My question for you is that, look, we've got a bunch of listeners who love the NHL, but some of them might not watch college hockey. Who's a guy that was playing in college last year that's in the NHL this year that we should all watch out for? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good one. You kind of put me on the spot there, Emily. Right. Yeah, I uh, she does. That's, that's me. I'll certainly take some With the gotcha help. questions. Let me, let me, let me. Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, uh, you know, like I said, Quinn Hughes, I'm so glad he didn't go because he was a guy that I was uh, – that I really thought was um, a guy who could almost step in, just an unbelievable skater, um, you know, very young, um, but, you know, just an amazing defenseman who Vancouver is really, really going to benefit having, I think, come next year. We see all that talent there, and uh, I'm just, I'm really glad he's coming back. Boston University, you know, they had a lot of uh, great recruiting classes last couple of years, um, and so obviously, you know, Brady Kachuk was the guy people saw last year play for BU, he was really vacillating back and forth whether to come back. He probably should have come back one more year, maybe try to dominate. But I see him going, start to collect a paycheck, and uh, and get that clock running while growing uh, in the NHL. So certainly he, he's another guy. I'm sure names will start to pop in my head as soon as I stop talking. Well, listen, we're, you're here. You're here on trial. Uh, we're going to ask you about two other things that you've recently uh, put out in the world. You picked the Philadelphia Flyers to win the Metropolitan Division, which I, I think they're a playoff team, and I took a bunch of grief for saying that I thought they were a lock for the playoffs. You had them as a division champion. Is that a Carter Hart run-in mid-season to save the goaltending position type pick, or what is that? <laughs> You're right. That's probably, that is the wild card with that team. You know, I, I, I admit I was kind of looking for something different there because you find yourself picking, like, everyone's going to pick this team. Everything doesn't work out like we think it's going to work out. Sometimes there are surprises. They've invested a lot in a young defense over the last couple of years. You know, is this the year it all comes together? They bring JVR back. They have two pretty good lines. They have some culture guys in the bottom six. Coach has been there for a few years. Dave Haxtell teams tend to get better. He's an under-the-radar kind of a college hockey coach, mm-hmm. former college hockey coach. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so I just thought stuff was there that, that perhaps that could happen, something a little bit different. And, um, you know, unexpected because, you know, like I said, every time we pick these playoff teams, we're like, boy, I, 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 would, I think I'm going to be eight for eight picking these playoff teams. But I know six for eight's really good. And generally, you're, usually you're about five for eight. So what are three teams that maybe, you know, are teams are going to be better than I thought? So, yeah, let's go with the Flyers. Good now, fan base, young players. And that was kind of the reason there. Now, listen, if the Flyers pick was bold, I don't – Emily and I are both wordsmiths. We lack – we lack the vocabulary to describe you picking Colorado to win the Central <laughs> Division over Winnipeg and Nashville and Dallas. What was what was the Colorado pick about, sir? Uh, well, Nathan McKinnon. If we had a league wide draft, he might go top five. He would. When you have that kind, when you have that kind of player, that's a good start. I think the coach is really good, very handsome. The <laughs> handsome factor is big with me. Um, Again, a lot of a lot of under, under the radar skill people aren't aware of. Again, some some uh, investing in defense the last couple of years. Again, goaltending is an issue. And again, it's one of those things where like I'm not going to predict. I, I won't be four for four right. in divisions and eight for eight in playoffs. There's got to be something that would be a little bit of a surprise. So why don't we go here? What, what maybe these young players will get better again? I love uh, it. There'll be some you know some drop off somewhere else. Things yeah. happen, and so let's go with that. So yeah, that's. There is some, I feel there is some evidence behind my picks, but a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a flyer. But if you're right, my God, 
You're, the payoff, yes, you're I'm genius, buying, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, bu- I'm buying low. I'm buying low. <laughs> I love it. I got the Sharks at 18 to 1 to win the cup, too. So I, I felt that was, uh, I actually put down some hard, uh, hard-earned clams on that one. Oh. A buddy was in Vegas. Got buddy was in Vegas. They get Carlson. I go, hey, go find me some shark gods somewhere. <laughs> he, found them at 18, <laughs> he, he, he found them at 18 to 1. Wow. So I, I said, that's worth $500. For sure. That's a, a $9,500 payoff. I can go to Italy. If the Sharks win the cup, mm-hmm. Bucci's going to Italy for the first time. And you'll bring us back wine? If they <laughs> if, if they don't, I'll go to Cape Cod for a week. That doesn't sound like a terrible consolation. <laughs> Not terrible. Not terrible. All right. The last thing I want to ask, and I guess it's another on-the-spot question because that's just my thing, but I oh. asked this to Barry Melrose last year, and I just thought his thought process was so interesting, so I'd love to hear your take. Give me your starting. You can get one top line, one top defenseman pair, and one goalie if you had to win an NHL game. Who's your pick? Well, with like, with like an all-star team. Or yeah, something? your exactly. dream, your dream lineup of of current oh, players. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, let's let's go from the back end out. That's what we. Uh, that's probably that's probably the best way to go. Real Lou Lamarillo um, take on the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except they get what, uh, what? Yeah, what goalie would you take first uh, in the NHL? To, to help you win uh, to, to win a Stanley Cup, you know I wonder if that's why scoring is up right now. I wonder if the goaltending position is thin right now. Yeah, there's no guy uh, that you look at and say that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, like it's right. Carey Price, but he's not the guy right now. Or it'd be Pekka right. except he can't win in the playoffs. <laughs> right. So I would probably go Carey Price. All right. Just if there, if there was this kind of team in front of us, I still think technically. And talent-wise, he's probably the guy right now in his prime you would go with. Um, and then uh, in front of him, obviously you want some sort of uh, you want some sort of power play guy and uh, a defenseman-minded guy. Usually, I guess I don't. Maybe there's a better way of thinking that. Maybe you're, maybe we're better off thinking, um, you know, really really straight up. So actually, you know, certainly I'd go with Eric Carlson in mm-hmm. terms of I still think he's the best offensive player. He'll come to and Florence with looking, you. Yeah, and then if you're looking for a really really strong. Uh, you know, maybe even uh, dependable left left shot defenseman um, around the NHL. Boy, man! It's, again, I just I just wonder if there's that is that one guy um, uh, that you would pick. I mean, Hedman would point. be like the guy right now. That would be the guy coming off. Probably the would be the, le- the yeah the big left handed shot guy. I didn't like some of his toughness. Yeah, displays last playoffs. wasn't a real big fan of that, but yeah, well, well let's go with two sweeps back there up front. I still think in, in one series you still go Crosby in the middle. Yeah, I would probably put McK- I would probably put McKinnon on his wing. Oh, you have uh, to. I mean, come on, you're talking. He's an, yeah, he's an absolute wagon down that right side. We saw it in, in the in the World Hockey Classic on the, the young North American team, the, the, the World Cup, I should say. Uh, he was such so much fun on there. And I would, you know, I'd probably put Austin Matthews on his left side because I still, I still think Matthews is has those real strong winger tendencies. Hmm. Um, he's a, sh- you know, he's a shooter, um, but certainly he can play. But he's really a shooter. And to have someone like Crosby who's so pass first, have a couple of shooters, and 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 uh, I just think that would be fascinating uh, with Matthews, Crosby, and McKinney. These are these are big, thick men, strong men. Um, and but also can can move in this NHL game. So I like to me. That's what that's what I would do. I like that. Boston, not from Cole Harbor, unlike the other two, but right, reminiscent of Mario in some ways, which obviously is 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 great for Sid. 
Right, because Mario had a great shot. You know, he, Mario had an absolute thunderous one-time slap shot mm-hmm. and really could place his wrist shot. And that, that, that's, a, that's actually a great comparison of a guy who could really, a centerman who could really, really shoot. That's why, under, like Eichel this year, I, I'm surprised Eichel's goal totals his first three years in the 20s with how well he shoots it and how much he shoots yeah. it. Like, you look at his shots per game, he, has, he shoots it. So I really think that, now this year you're going to see him in that 40 to 50 goal category with Matthews because he's such a big strong man who who can shoot the one timer like a like a Stamkos a Mario Rishad the whole thing. Did you have Buffalo when you're in the playoffs this year, or do you think they have you know they need another I, year to percolate? Yeah, I had them kind of that 85 92 at best case scenario. Um, I think Carter Hutton could be that late blooming career goaltender who could have a good three to four year run. Tim Thomas ish, very low expectations. Late bloomer, college guy. Those guys mentally think long term, uh, patient, wait for their chance. And uh, so now it's just a matter of putting it together in terms of coaching and experience and just the right fit. I think Bottero is really smart. Yeah. He's the right guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I just, yeah, I just, I just think there's like a little bit less there than that, that's needed. And maybe it's another year and a couple more, one or two players, and then boom, next year. But I wouldn't be shocked. But that seems like ninety four, ninety five with them is a big jump from last year. I agree. Bucci, as usual, we're smarter now than we were at the beginning of the call. Ha. And it's because of you. <laughs> All right, buddy. Viva, Viva Italy. We'll <laughs> Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Good one, Randy. Oh. Good one. It's Phil Kessel loves hot dogs, uh, the segment in which we talk about the hockey media and its various foibles and mistakes and bad narratives. Now, the hockey media, or at least parts of it, all converged on Patrick Dwyer's pants goal this week. If you missed it, Patrick Dwyer is a player for the Belfast Giants of the Elite Ice Hockey League in the UK. Uh, a teammate shot the puck. The puck went in his pants. Dwyer's looking around. He doesn't know where the puck is. He realizes it's in his pants, and he does what any rational thinking human being would do, which is that he squats down <laughs> and skates his entire body over the line with his butt sticking out, hoping that he has now scored a pants goal. See, when I watched it, I didn't think it was intentional. I thought it was like the best blooper of all time. Oh, no. He knew exactly what was going on. Oh, he that knew that the, the puck was in his pants and that the pants were over the line at pants goal. Now, the reason that this qualified for Phil Kessel loves hot dog status is that I was very disappointed in all of the media for not using this moment to carry forward a soapbox issue for yours truly through the years. The only reason that this ingenious use of one's pants to score a goal was disallowed is because of the intent to blow rule. For those who don't know, the intent to blow rule says that a referee can end a play in his mind before you actually hear a whistle. In the time it takes from the referee being like, I do not like this, to raising his hand, putting whistle in mouth, blowing on whistle, the play is dead as soon as the referee thinks, I do not like this. Now, I've always had a problem with this, Emily, because in hockey, we are told to skate into the whistle. The idea that the play can end in the referee's mind before you hear the whistle is nonsense. And I've always hated this rule, and this was a good chance for everybody to be like, you know what? You ruined one of the greatest highlights in the history of hockey because of intent to blow. But no one really took up the cause. 
outside of me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Lone I soldier here. I, I, I didn't support you. I know. I was silent. I know. The and, worst. And, and, and silence, you know what dies in silence? Democracy. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> moving on to puck headlines. All right. To the headlines we go. Dateline Toronto. What is up with the Willie Nylander stalemate contractually, Emily? This is an interesting situation because the Leafs look like they're great. One of their best players still on the outside looking in. Last thing we heard, uh, he's in Sweden training, waiting for any discussions to take place between himself and the Leafs. Uh, what do you think on this situation? How do you think it's going to play out? I think it plays out with him rejoining the Leafs. I really do. I just, Travis Jost was the first person to bring this up, but I just think the way it's being covered is disingenuous because we keep calling it a holdout. And I think that puts the onus on the player, right? It's yeah. a two-way contract. Like I, I just think it's so weird that in the situation we always side with management. So, um, you know, good on him for knowing his worth. And you know, it's a, a not ideal situation for him. The team's doing well, and especially with the offense, they're explosive. But he is needed on this team. I think in the future, um, you know, Kyle Dubas has said he wants, he thinks he can keep all three of these guys, Marner, Nylander. And Matthews, that's probably one of the promises he made to John Tavares. And I think he will find a way to get it done. Hey, so you don't think that, I mean, Nylander's name has always come up courtesy of our friends at TSN about, like, he's the guy you trade to get the defenseman you need. But you think that they're better to better off keeping him rather than using him as trade bait? Yeah. I, I, would, I would tend to agree. I think he's, I think he's a special player. I, I do think that, obviously, uh, the ticking clock is on the side of the Leafs. Uh, December 1st deadline hmm. uh, for Nylander to sign. Um, or else, you know, the ineligibility thing kicks in. So it, I, I tend to believe they'll get it done. Um, I, I, and it's a situation obviously where the team does have all the leverage, but good on you and Travis for calling out the holdout stuff, which could have been Phil Kessel's hot dogs, uh, quality content. It's a negotiation. Yeah. That's all it is. Dateline Nashville. <laughs> After, after, after we got done finally addressing our friends in Nashville, we have to bring up the story. They raised the damn Western Conference champions banner with regular season and small letters on top of it for the Nashville Predators. Uh, this is not the first team to do this. The Capitals have had regular season champion banners. The San Jose Sharks have had regular season championship banners. Other teams have done it too. It never ever ever gets less embarrassing though it is basically an acknowledgement that you did absolutely nothing to justify the success you had in the regular season the only reason you should put this up is in a collection of banners once you win the cup or win the conference in the playoffs to acknowledge a great regular season that resulted in a playoff failure is like dangling embarrassment above your home ice i will never understand the motivation there it's not even to like sell t-shirts. It's just to have a banner hanging up. It's stupid. It's super cringy, but they'll always know they're not the worst because that belongs to the Oilers, who of course put up a banner for the greatest team. <laughs> a nomination that was voted on by fans. That's right. The fan voted greatest team. So yeah, time. you got everyone in Edmonton to go click on their computer 10 times. Right. And my only caveat here is that if you are a team that has not had any success whatsoever, and you want to put up a banner that says, like, 
regular season champions. I, I remember being a Devils fan when I was a kid. They put up a Patrick Division Playoff Champions banner. And that might be a valid banner, might not be. But for me, it was huge because our team sucked for like eight years. And then all of a sudden, they got good. We'll never forget the Colts also. Did they, um, what did they raise? Who the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, it was the uh, AFC. Oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. 2014 AFC finalist. Okay, there you go. A title that does not exist. Does not exist. But again, for the Colts fans, sure, why not? Right at that point, why not? Yeah, uh, Dateline Pittsburgh. Matt Murray out with yet another concussion. This is bad news, Brown, for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins who. Missed Murray in a big way last year when he was injured. And, and you and I were both all in on the Matt Murray redemption arc this year to the point where I believe you had him winning the Vezina. This girl does. <laughs> so, And this girl still believes it's possible. And I still believe that he's he's a vital piece of this team. And I, and I still believe that when healthy, he's going to have a rebound of a year. But this is not the start that they obviously wanted uh, with Matt Murray this year. And, and, a, and a super bummer to have a, a really talented young goalie. Uh, suffer yet another concussion. So uh, best wishes to Matt Murray in his recovery. Dateline New York Rangers. Kevin Shattenkirk scratch. It's like the saddest homecoming ever for him, right? He takes less money to go play for his hometown team. Things are great. Doesn't finish the whole season. Isn't producing. The team all of a sudden is like, wait, just kidding. We're about to rebuild. Then starts a new season after his knee surgery. Plays only seven game minutes in his third game. And his old college coach is like, yeah, no, we're going with Tony D'Angelo over no, you. That's what I'm talking. But that's the thing. That's the thing people have to remember. To me, it's, it's the old punch the toughest guy in the prison yard on your first day there and you get respect. It's to me like David Quinn be- being like, I coach Shattenkirk at BU. I know you all think he should be in my, my favor, in my regard. Uh, I'm going to scratch this man and show you who's boss here not even this guy is safe from my wrath and pavel buchnevich is like yeah no i could totally relate because that happened to me last year with Vignal. <laughs> exactly dateline philadelphia the creator of gritty speaks david raymond talking life hacker uh talking about the creation of gritty saying uh the philly fanatic who by the way was created when he was an intern with the phillies the philly fanatic taught me uh that uh that fun wasn't only fooling around Fun wasn't just a vacation. Fun is really a tool that you can use each and every day to make yourself happier, healthier, and more productive. What we're doing is we're creating powerful fun. This is the philosophy behind the creation of the orange Google-eyed Flyers mascot Gritty, the power, Emily, of fun. That's beautiful and poetic and honestly i i want to say i have gritty fatigue but then i remembered what a buzzkill i was last year about bark andre Fleury and how <laughs> hypocritical it is and i want more fun in this league so i'm all in <laughs> finally dateline the shallow <laughs> a star is born <laughs> is out i saw it last night with ruby at the uh, cinema draft house uh, the alamo draft house in brooklyn by the way uh, demerits the Alamo draft house in Brooklyn. We complained about the women that's sitting next to us who were talking throughout the whole movie. Their policy is to, uh, reprimand and potentially eject people that are talking during the movie. They did not. It was very embarrassing. I felt bad. That's, that's my, she made my safe zone, uh, away from yammering. Alas, it was not. Uh, I enjoyed the film. I felt Bradley Cooper was a better director than he was an actor. I, I said this to you before the podcast. He did not th- seem authentic as a leathery, uh, uh, hard rockin', hard boozin' star, 
I thought if you put Ethan Hawke in that movie and had Bradley Cooper direct it, you'd have a better movie. But Gaga is the real. She's great. I was confused because I thought the movie took place in New York. It turns out it's just her whole family and all their friends are from New York, but they live in L.A. (laughs) But overall, a great movie. The Shallow made me cry. And there's another movie, another scene involving an argument where she's in the bathtub that is uh, one of the better pieces of acting I've seen all year. So I recommend A Star is Born. Will you give up your boycott of the movie to see it? I am boycotting it because Taffy Broadster Ackner is my favorite profile writer. She works for the New York Times right now. And she wrote a profile of Bradley Cooper where he came off as so pretentious he and did. unapproachable. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go see your art. But I keep hearing about this movie and everyone's seen it. <laughs> and then they told me that there's a very good dog in the movie that happens to be Bradley Cooper's dog that now won some fake award for being a good dog. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll probably break my boycott. You have to. The, the the cultural – this happens oftentimes with me where I'm like, I don't want to see this this pop culture thing. But then the wave – crashes over you and you can't help but have to go see it swept under exactly in the shallow all right we've got great news for you fans we do of espn on ice after our gross negligence last episode and forgetting about the rant line and that it even existed uh we remembered how much we loved it and we tweeted out the phone number and we have a ranter so let's uh listen to her hi this is claire from chicago and i just have to say now that i'm back to watching hockey broadcast I reminded myself of the thing I hate the most, which is when the announcers say things like, oh, the score could easily be 5-4 right now. (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. That's a bunch of nonsense. Just tell me what the score actually is. The score could be anything. It's hockey. It's a weird sport. I could be Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. You never know. Stop doing that. It's annoying. This is literally why we created the rant line. (laughs) I, I, I feel that feel. Because, like, you're watching a game, and especially if, if your team is losing, mm-hmm. like, let's say, like, doubles are down, like, 5-1 in the third period, and you and just you hear, like, Ken Danico be like, oh, score could easily be 6-5 Devils right now. You're like, but it's not. Yeah. It's not that, though. And you feel real bad about it. It's not that at all. It's I, all, lo- it's all I love rant. this rant. I, I, this, was, this is a great rant, Claire, and we hear you. Do you have the rant line number in front of you? I do. So if you want to give us a call and if you have any other niche or mainstream complaints, we'd love to hear it at 860-516-1029. All right. That's ESPN on Ice for this week. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the first episode, our big preview edition. Uh, it's evergreen if you want to listen to that and if you haven't uh, checked it out. And uh, and thanks again, everybody who who downloads us every week on iTunes. If you want to leave a little review on iTunes, we'd much appreciate it. It helps people find the show. Everybody who streams on ESPN, thanks for doing that. Uh, you can find me at Wyshynski on Twitter. At Emily M. Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Pretentious. And uh, you can find our writing on ESPN.com where we do our stuff. So anyways, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, thanks to uh, Ryan McDonough, of course, and to John Butchergrass for joining us as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. 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 Bet ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.